This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. to another World of UX podcast. This is your host, Darren Hood. Very happy to be here today to share with you as we talk about all things related to user experience or UX as we call it. Welcome to those of you that are listening for the first time. Uh, And on this podcast, we will talk about all things related to UX. We will talk about history. We will talk about methods, methodologies. We will talk about careers. And currently, we're covering the topic of maturity levels and the topic, this is our third week of coverage, on the topic, the quest for UX maturity, a subject that a lot of people actually are not familiar with, even if they do know something about UX. We spent the first two weeks working our way up the model, the most popular, probably the first published model on UX maturity um, that was published by Jacob Nielsen. And his model consists of eight different steps. And in two weeks, we've only been able to talk about five, usually due to the the recap to an extent. I thought we were going to get further last week, but we didn't. Uh, But let's go back and we're going to see how far we can get this week. I'm not going to promise you we're going to finish it this week. I thought we were last week, but let's get into our recap here right away. What basically, again, is UX maturity level? For those of you that don't know, a UX maturity level basically is a model, as we mentioned, that is used to measure where a company is with regard to their organization's evolution, their status, if you will, with regard to UX, step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, whatever the number of levels that are present, that's basically what is used to gauge your current status as well as what your goals are. And I mentioned that we're talking about the Jacob Nielsen model there's got to be no fewer than 80 different models out there and still growing all the time. So I want to make sure as we get into this topic again, I want to make sure, especially for those listening for the first time, there is no one set model. You're going to see different models. You're going to select one that works best for your organization. But I also have to add this. You also have to select one that's going to help you be as honest as you can possibly be. Because, as always is the case, there are a lot of models. And while different models may work for different organizations, there are also some models that, in my professional opinion, don't work for anybody. And they don't really share the the insights and the modes for self-examination, self-awareness that you need to really achieve true UX maturity. So I want to make sure that I mention that as well. So again, a UX maturity level is basically a model that someone can follow that lets you know where you are, where you could be, help you set goals, things of that nature. 
They will identify the different levels, whether it's five, whether it's eight, whether it's 10, whatever the number is. And it will not only give you a level, but it will give you characteristics associated with that level. And that's what you can use to gauge where you are and what you need to do to ascend to another level. Jacob Nielsen's model was the first, likely the first, definitely the most popular in earlier days of UX. And it still holds a great deal of value today. It is also my opinion that there are certain aspects of the model that that don't work, most notably the time that it takes to get from one maturity level to another. And someone might be thinking, well, if it doesn't work, why would you even suggest it? Well, I bring it up because it's a model. It's something that we can use as a guideline. It's something that we can use as a point of examination. And it's been proven to be valuable over the years. So we don't want to just throw it out because the time that the that, that are listed in the model might be unrealistic. Uh, for example, it says that you could be in the first level for decades. Well, if you tell that to someone in leadership, they may tell you to get lost. So, so that's the reason why. But if we throw the timing out and just focus on what it is that, that Nielsen is trying to get us to examine, now it has value for everyone. You're not just going to look at one model. You're going to look at, at multiple. We can't cover multiple for the purpose of the, of the podcast, but we can point you to them so that you can do the right thing. Also, remember, you're not tied into this one model. There are lots of models out there. You can just use this as a guide. So parts of it may work, parts of it may not. The timelines definitely won't work. But again, this gives you something to look at and it serves as a basis for this presentation today. Again, the key is that you want to be realistic. You want to have goals that are achievable. And you want to make sure that you list characteristics associated with each level of that model. Another thing you want to be on the lookout for is not infusing the model that you follow, whether you create one or use one that already exists. Do not infuse your model with things that don't exist. We're living in the age, as I said on another episode of the wild, wild west of UX. And that means that there's a lot of things going on in the world of UX that are really not legitimate. So you want to make sure that you're not bringing these illegitimate aspects of UX into your maturity model. So again, so we don't lose a lot of time today. And again, we're just trying to recap and help everybody who's joining us for the first time to be able to catch up. Uh, let's go ahead and dive in from here, shall we? So I was reminded that there was a an appearance of Slack. A lot of us either we know what Slack is or we have used Slack or we use it. And Slack appeared on Fox News last week. And this illustration will help you understand why maturity levels are so important. Slack appeared on Fox News and as they were talking about what they were working on, the acronym UX came up in the discussion. Was there any detail provided when they talked about UX? No. Did they define what UX is? No. Did they spend any time talking about what you need to do, what elements of a proper UX practice are? No. All they did was mention 
user experience. All they did was mention UX. And that was pretty much it. For those of us who are sensitive, and if you're working in the world of UX or any, if anyone's interested in UX, for someone to be on a, a high-profile network like that and mention UX, it's going to catch your ear. What many of us won't recognize, and this is where maturity levels come into play, is that when you simply mention UX, but you do not define it, you do not provide actual context, a lot of people have no idea what you're talking about. And if someone has just been exposed, if they're at the lower levels of a UX maturity model, they are going to associate someone's mention of UX with where they are on the maturity model. Hence, the mention of UX becomes highly subjective in such a situation, and it does us absolutely no good for someone to mention it. It's not good for someone to mention UX without providing context. It's not good for someone to mention UX without defining it. It's not good to mention UX without providing some details with regard to what you mean when you say UX and how it's executed. Because there are so many people who are operating at so many different UX maturity levels that it's guaranteed that people are going to walk away with the wrong concept. And now all it does is add to the conundrum that we're currently being exposed to in the wild, wild west of UX. People have different maturity levels, and so they hear these terms differently, and they walk away thinking that they got something of value when all they did was walk away with a little bit more dust in their in their glasses and their goggles, so to speak. When we decide as a discipline that UX maturity levels are important, and when we decide, no matter what model is being followed, when we decide that it is critical that we pursue it, and when we decide to achieve higher maturity levels, the ability to communicate effectively across companies, from person to person, from institution to institution, becomes that much more effective. But right now, it's pretty wild and crazy. Jacob Nielsen's model, again, has eight levels. Number one is hostility. Number two is developer-centered. Number three is skunkworks. Number four is a dedicated budget. Number five is managed. Number six is systematic process. Number seven is integrated user-centered design. And number eight, the absolutely highest level that an organization can reach is that of a user-driven corporation. And we have already learned that through the work that the Design Management Institute conducted, the research that they conducted, companies that are more user-centered, and this would be level seven and eight, basically speaking, companies that have, they have the integrated design processes and they are definitely user-driven in everything that they do. Those organizations outperform the competition by anywhere from 216 to 228% research has shown. Even more recent research, it still falls around the same, around the 224 percentile level, but the, the, the proof is in the pudding. When an organization 
has a higher maturity level, when an organization does their best and has all the processes in place, the people in place, and are following those processes, those individuals, those companies are going to do far better. They're going to make a lot more money. They're going to make their practitioners happier. They're going to make their employees happier. They're going to make their customers happier. So here's your, your main reason for why the maturity level is so important because all companies are in the business of making money. They're in the business of making a profit. They're in the business of bringing value for their shareholders. That's what we want to do today. So we've already talked about the hostility level. That's where nobody wants to hear about user needs. If you look at Nielsen's breakdown, he says that it's developers that don't want to hear about user needs, but all you have to do is work in UX for any length of time, and you will see it's not just the developers. It's everybody. It's the C-level people. The stakeholders don't want to hear about user needs. Everybody is hostile toward UX. Why there's a UX team, we don't even know. What we do know is that nobody wants to hear what the UX team has to say. And, and in those environments, when the UX people do work, your work will be ignored the vast majority of the time. At level two, it's now developer-centered. Someone has decided to, to focus on UX as an important part of what they're doing to some extent. However, intuition is driving away. And developers, people won't like this, but it's just the truth. You can't be a developer and a UX person and really be successful at it. A lot of developers try but you have two different personas, the persona of, of a UX professional and the persona of a developer are different. And, and people, when you dig into it, you'll find out that that is indeed the case. But intuition drives developers. It will be about what they like. It's very, very subjective. It's not about research. It's not about heuristics. It's not about proven principles and best practices. It's about intuition. And intuition does not drive excellence in design. So that's level two. Level three is Skunk Works. Skunk Works is where you are finally deciding to get involved in user research to some extent, but it's limited pretty much to guerrilla testing. That's it. Quick and dirty testing with a handful of people to get some information. God only knows if they're the right people. Nielsen just says that it's guerrilla testing that's happening at that level. It doesn't mean you're doing it right. It just means that there's some degree of, of testing that is taking place. So we want to make sure that we, we understand that. Uh, he also says that external usability experts could be called upon in those cases. So Skunk Works is the pinnacle of the bottom three levels. Skunk Works is where a lot of people actually think they're doing a great job when it comes to user experience, but you're really starting to scratch the surface for the first time with regard to doing user experience the right way. Number four, which we covered last week, the dedicated budget. You finally have numbers. You finally have the organization that is willing to dedicate X number of dollars to the UX operation on an annual basis. Definitely an achievement, which means that you have to graduate from level three to level four, you must bring some value. 
at that point. Somebody sees something, there's been some wins somewhere, and I highly recommend that if you're just getting started with your UX, if you're starting to to build your momentum, a lot of that momentum, it's not going to come from some big giant initiative that you've been working on for months and you have yet to show value. Find a lot of low-hanging fruit. Get as many wins as possible. Yes, get your eyes on that big project, but keep building those small wins. You're going to get more and more people in your corner, more and more people that will support you, and you're starting to prove your point that UX matters. So so do the big project, but don't forget about the little ones because those small wins are very important and, and they will they will prove to be advantageous to everyone in the organization. At level five, you have what's managed. You, you finally have a point where someone is thinking about usability across the organization. You have stakeholders, again, this is why the, the small wins, the low-hanging fruit is so critical. You have people who are thinking about UX across the entire organization, and this is huge because you need people evangelizing for what you do and supporting you and buying in. The systematic process, which is next, which is where you have started to document the quality of the initiatives, your executions, the work that you have done, your case studies, your statistics on we have improved user satisfaction by X amount. We have improved our NPS, our net promoter score by X amount. We have more people that are saying that they are more likely to to recommend us as a resource, as a company. We have uh, uh, the satisfaction numbers are getting higher. The stakeholders are, are starting to understand a lot more of what's going on with regard to UX. And all these things are documented. They're proven. It's not just somebody saying we need to do more UX or showing someone a couple of little things here. When you reach the systematic process level, you've reached the point where UX success and operation is being tracked, and that's because people want to know. People have seen it. They want to see it more. They want it reported out more. And now, see, now you're on the radar. Now you've reached the point where UX is part of the organization's operation. It's not just... Uh, something that people consider a fad. It's not just something that someone is dabbling in. This is the real deal. And when this is the real deal, you can tell because of everyone who's buying in and where UX fits into the processes. You have now reached the point of inclusion. Isn't that a great thing to think about? Isn't that a great term? You're now included. You have a seat at the table and not just a seat at the table, but you are included in all the processes. Next, you have the integrated user-centered design. At this level, usability data, that data that came out of the processes, is used to determine what the company should build. People will not build something at level seven unless the UX initiatives validate and confirm that the initiative is indeed worth our time. We have applied UX principles and processes, and we know there's no question that Employing UX at this point is going to work in everyone's favor, wins for the business, wins for the users, long-term profitability, long-term customer dedication. We are there. And then level eight, user-driven corporation. This is where the organization usability is affecting strategy 
and activities well beyond the stereotype of interface design, but it is interwoven into everything we do. And those companies I mentioned earlier that outperform the competition, this is what they do. UX is now a part of strategy. They wouldn't think of doing anything without seeing what UX strategy has to say. When we reach this level, we are then fully mature from a UX standpoint, and we are limitless in what we can achieve. Let's make sure that we strive to achieve the levels of maturity that are within our grasp and make sure that we honestly identify where we are. That's all the time we have for today. So this is Darren Hood from the World of UX. Glad you're able to join us again. See you next time. Until then, happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.